Hey guys, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC Comics Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Be aware, I do spoil books. And it just occurred to me, I always say guys at the beginning of most of my shows. That is like the gender non-specific kind of guys, you know, not guys as in dangle. So just to make that clear, um, females and those that identify as any number of other things are more than welcome to listen, send feedback, enjoy the show. So I, I don't want to exclusive anybody out of listening here. Okay, so if you do want to send feedback, you can do it a variety of ways. Teal Productions on Twitter is the parent name I record. For those of you that may not know, I record several different shows, record, uh, uh, host and produce. So Teal Productions is the overall banner on Twitter. Lords of Order, though, has its own Facebook and Google Plus pages. The website, bigtimenoise.com slash drfate. You can leave comments there. And the email address is the Podcast at gmail.com. Which, by the way, nobody has sent me any email in a while. Somebody out there, uh, do, do a brother a solid and send me an email. Let me know what you think or something so that I can share it on the show with everyone else. Try to get this this community kind of thing going, sharing feedback and discussing things and things like that. I know that a lot of people listen to the Golden Age episodes, so maybe even more so than the current coverage. So I know they're listened to because I see people talk about them. Send me some feedback out there for this episode, guys, please. Now, this episode is a Golden Age. More Fun Comics, the 1936 volume, the first volume, uh, issue 82 from August of 1942. It was scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. Um, Howard Sherman. There's a D there. And the title of the story is Luck for Sale. Now, for those of you that are not able to get a copy of More Fun Comics 82 anymore, seeing that it's only, what, 74 years ago, this story was reprinted in the Golden Age Dr. Fate archives that DC put out in 2007. That I know you can get a hold of because it's on Amazon, at the very least. So there would be the way for you to get a hold of it. Now, the story opens, as most of these for More Fun have, with a full page with insets on it. One is usually a narration inset, which I really dig, and the other is a small picture, sometimes a square. This one is a circle uh, with one of our principal characters in it starting our story. But first... This narration puts me in mind of some of the best radio dramas from the 40s that I have ever heard, particularly the end point of this. I can just see me sitting at one of those um, arch-topped radios. You know, they're square on the sides and the bottom, but they're uh, semicircle at the top. And the narrator tells us... Let me me try my narrator voice. What do the cards hold in store for you? Is it good luck or bad? If you want good luck, you must pay a price, for the lucky one charges high fees, your life for luck. Shamrocks and horseshoes, the lucky penny and the sprigs of mistletoe, those are his weapons, backed by the power of guns and greenbacks. Dr. Fate, man of magic, pits his fists and wits against the red sage, 
in a superstitious shindig known as Luck for Sale. That just sounds so cool to me to be, you know, at night listening to a radio sometime and and hearing the narrator come with that. So, yeah, maybe it's just me. All right, so we start off the story with a little insight here into one Al Quigg, who tells us gloom, despair, and ag... No, that's essentially what he's saying, but it's not those words. Um, Failure, misfortune, tough luck. Those three always dog my footsteps. I've lost my wife, my fortune, now my business. That's too much for Al Quigg to swallow. Sounds like a Dagon Country song, don't it? Anyways, so uh, we follow Al. Al goes to the wharf, uh, to a local wharf, whatever it is, and says, I'll just fall off the wharf. Nobody will even know or care. So he's going to commit suicide. Somebody is there, perhaps realizing that this site is a potential site for people who are, are at the end of their rope and wishing to do something. He yells out, hey, Mac, and he gives him a business card that tells him how, when, and where to contact the lucky one. He brings everybody fortune, this huckster tells Mr. Quigg. We see Quigg reading it in a panel. Then we cut to another scene of another gentleman. We don't know. Let me see. Yeah, it's the same gentleman that gave the business card to Mr. Quigg. Hands it to another woman who has been telling us uh, that her brother is in need of an operation and she doesn't know where the funds are going to come from for either he his extended family, you know, how anyone is going to pay for it. Another panel is a bridge. Um, we'll say the Brooklyn Bridge. It's kind of a stylized if it's supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge. Probably isn't because we are located in Salem predominantly, and I don't think Salem has a bridge like this, but I could be wrong. I've never been there. Uh, just text bubbles pointing to locations on the bridge. But again, somebody is going to commit suicide, and a another person interrupts with a lucky one card plea now we can't see him handing the card because as i said it's just a panel of the bridge and then two text bubbles next up we're told that from all corners of the metropolis they come some rich some poor but all dissatisfied with their luck and there's a group of people here a small stage with this same gentleman that's been handing out the cards pulling back one side of the curtains and out walks the lucky one gentleman dressed in a three-piece suit white shirt red tie and a big red cape holding a a deck of cards so he addresses the audience and tells them that if they will play cards with him he will give them their fortune so uh, basically what it is is it looks like a um it, it's hard to tell exactly what game they're playing i don't know if it's a a high card draw or if he is telling the fortune using the cards like others do tarot cards or i'm i'm not sure what issue the cards play here now a little bit later in the story a deck of cards will play um, a more prominent easily discernible role but he gets the tells the first gentleman Uh, Mr. Quigg, to buy up all of the amalgamated rubber stock that he can. And Quigg says, well, you know, I don't have any money. And the lucky one tells him, ah, it's no problem. Buy it on margin. 
you'll make plenty of money, you'll be able to pay it back and have you know more money than you know what to do with after. So one by one, uh, we see he gives each individual in the audience this same advice about amalgamated rubber. We then see several days later that uh, two of the people that we ran into, Mr. Quigg and the female, and then a third male who just seems to be a putz, um, have all made enough money that they are able to do the things that they were not able to do initially. Uh, the woman pays for her brother's operation. Uh, Quig is rich again, according to his words, which apparently was what he had been previously. And the third guy, like I said, the third guy's just being a putz. Um, cut to the lucky one. He is thinking, in essence, telling us the audience, though. I made the stocks go up by putting all my money behind amalgamated rubber after telling my clients to buy. Now that I've made their fortunes, they'll come to me forever. From now on, they shall be my slaves. Forever hoping for more money, they shall do as I tell them. They belong to me. Uh, Several days later, we are at the Midtown Bank. And we have two gentlemen who are in the bank. One is dressed in the open chest jacket and head bandana wearing uh, gypsy kind of look and you couldn't see it but I'm, I'm throwing up the air quotes with my fingers here that old style uh, rag on the head gypsy look that, that we know from movies or at least I know from movies of this period and the other one is a gentleman in a suit and he is trying to convince the bank people to let this gypsy tell them their fortune and that is a distraction for him to go back and steal the gentleman in the uh, suit to steal from the safe that is open. So they do that, rush out into the car where they have a driver waiting. The three of them jet off. They nearly sideswipe Kent Nelson's car. Uh, we know that, spoiler, Kent Nelson is Dr. Fate. Uh, Inza is riding with him. And Kent realizes people acting like this are guilty of something. So he, in the car, he uh, gives over the steering wheel to Inza, changes into his Dr. Fate togs, or takes off his regular clothes. Who, who knows exactly how that goes? Maybe he just snaps his finger and changes. He is a magician, after all. It's hard to say. But he changes and flies up to they are they are pursuing the getaway car he flies up to the pursuing car grabs the gypsy and as they're levitating in the air he is talking to the gypsy convincing the gypsy that it's in his best interest to tell him dr fate what's going on uh, so he does tells him where to find the gentleman that was driving the car because he's the boss We see Fate carrying the gypsy with his patented running motion flying gimmick thing. And again, uh, you guys can't see, but I'm doing the finger waving running thing with my hand in front of my face so that you can see. They get to this uh, this pseudo hideout, and Dr. Fate finds out, well, no, this gentleman, who was also the gentleman in the bank and in the car, is not the main boss. The main boss is the lucky one. They tell Dr. Fate about the lucky one. One of 
the lucky ones um, now he is going by the name the red sage so the lucky one i guess was a generic reference he is actually red sage red sage is told by one of his thugs that he's been ratted out to dr fate meaning that it's only a matter of time before dr fate locates him and comes and visits him directly which we see fate zoom out the window from talking to the bank robber dudes Uh, a couple panels again of the patented running fly Red Sage has set up a reception a welcoming committee for uh, what he feels will be the soon coming Dr. Fate all of the people that he has under his thumb he has had dress up like face cards complete with swords outfits, crowns, the whole nine yards He leaves them there as a reception committee. He takes off. He does indeed get away uh, by the time Fate arrives. So Fate now has to contend with this um, welcoming committee. But first he has to avoid a trap. He rushes into the building through a set of saloon-style doors. But they're not saloon doors. They're playing cards. Right? They swivel back and forth. So he rushes into that room, but the room has no floor. Instead, what the room, the, the, the bottom portion of the room, are aces uh, on t- spears, basically, with ace heads as the spear point. And so Dr. Fate plummets towards those, but he arranges himself in just a way that he manages to place his feet parallel to the way that the aces are standing so that as he puts his weight on him, he pushes the aces down like dominoes in front of him. So rather than falling on top of the point, he comes in at an angle and hits the faces and pushes them over, uh, not impaling himself, allowing himself to get out of the room. We don't see exactly how he does it, but he does it because the next panel is him running down a hallway, which is the uh, walls of the hall are cards, uh, the the faces of cards, number cards. And he gets to the room where all the people are there as living representatives of the actual face cards, kings, queens, and jokers. Standing there with swords, uh, he has to run a gauntlet and as he's trying to run through, he, he doesn't manage to, to get through by defeat everyone. He gets knocked down and is about to succumb to a rather vicious-looking stab in a vital portion of his body by one of the males. So he's dressed up as either a king or a joker, I would presume. But one of the queens stops him and says, wait. You can't kill him. Don't you understand? He's Dr. Fate, and he's trying to help us. So here she has a, a an attack of conscience, convinces everyone else in the room, and there are, there are many people in the room, uh, 8 to 10 to 12 people. She convinces them all that if we help Dr. Fate, Dr. Fate will put Red Sage in prison. We will not be implicated or in trouble for anything, but we will be able to keep our money. So they decide to help Dr. Fate. Uh, Dr. Fate uses his magic crystal of the ancient Chaldeans and his own psychic power. Now, it looks like he's going to do some sort of 
uh, Lords of Order and Chaos magic spell to remote view, but really he says, it's not really magic, but the radio-sensitive crystals react to the minute electrical waves emitted by the brain. They establish a contact with the personality I think of. So he's thinking of Red Sage, never having met him, never having encountered him in person. He still is able to create this rapport. And he and all of the uh, face card people who were left there to defeat him by Red Sage watch as we see the Red Sage talking to his thugs telling them about a new weapon that he has developed and this new weapon is a deck of cards that are razor sharp and they act like a boomerang so if you throw it out it swishes out and comes back to you he demonstrates uh, gives them all however many a card some cards a deck of cards I don't know but it's, it's going to be their hallmark now so having seen that they the the um, face card guards, soldiers, tell Dr. Fate where Red Sage is going to be next. They turn up the Red Sage and his thugs at a swank club on Park Avenue, or the swank club. I'm sorry, that, that's the official name, swank club. And immediately they take control of the situation. Uh, they are in the process of robbing the people when Dr. Fate busts through a window. Uh, with his normal quips, uh, normal now, he starts taking out one, then two, then three at a time of the thugs until finally he is facing Red Sage himself, who decides to run, uh, runs and jumps out a window with n- nothing to save him. So, in essence, he jumps out the window of the building and smushes on the ground. Uh, later on, Dr. Fate goes back to the um, face card people and tells them, and that's how he came to die. From now on, you needn't worry about your money. Use it to fight crime and injustice by buying defense bonds. This was 1942, after all, when this came out. And they say, we will. The parting uh, panel one of the people says, he sure trumped the Red Sage, all right. And the second responds, yeah, he's quite a card, all right. And up in the corner of the panel, we see Dr. Fate with his running fly thing. And we're told fight with Dr. Fate every month as he battles crime all over the globe in more fun comics. And so, that finishes up our latest encounter with Dr. Fate via the Golden Age books that he is in. Next episode will be the current volume of Dr. Fate, issue 15, from last year, 2015. And I will talk to you guys then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license. 